for those that don't know, I, obviously we say the name NASIO, what it stands for, but uh, what's that elevator pitch for someone that's not familiar with the organization? We were actually founded by uh, a combination of a couple of governors, and our fundamental role is to help states learn from one another and then interface with the federal government and the private sector to see where there are synergies. It's a very carrot sort of positive approach, forward-looking, because it isn't regulatory for the most part. There tend not to be the hammers, which uh, makes it a little bit more fun. Welcome into the Independent Thinking Podcast. This is your host, Rob Stott. We're following up on a series of conversations we've had recently with Frank Santner here of Nationwide Marketing Group about the Inflation Reduction Act and the rebate program for energy-efficient products uh, for some consumers that is folded into that uh, Inflation Reduction Act. And specifically today, we're talking to the National Association of State Energy Officials, uh, NASIO, as it's known shortly. Uh, an organization that has played a pretty large role in helping to set the policies at the state level for this particular piece of legislation. And um, also an organization that you know we come to know through Frank uh, for his work getting independent retailers uh, to have a voice at the table of these conversations as the program's being set up and rolled out, um, both at a federal level and you know at the state level through these energy office offices. So uh, interesting opportunity and an important one, I think, to be able to sit down with David Terry, the president of NASIO, to understand their role, uh, you know, in, in the Inflation Reduction Act and and more broadly too, in sort of how they work with independent retailers and um, other you know members of of their state and local communities to uh, implement these types of programs and and work with independent retailers and. Um, just see how they approach, you know, things from their perspective. And uh, it's an interesting conversation because, you know, like we've learned through talking to Frank, there's so much um, to explore from state to state. And, I, you know, it sounds like a, a, a commercial to go visit, you know, all 50 states here. But um, in all honesty, it's true that, you know, when you think about a, a program being set up like the Inflation Reduction Act at the federal level, there's a lot that needs to be considered um, and, you know, it's why the state energy offices play such an important role in this, because states are so different from from one corner of the country to the other. You know, everything from climate to just you know how they're set up to um, all sorts of different factors that need to be considered that make it difficult to have a you know one size fits all type program. And uh, we dive into that and so much more with David and uh, really an interesting conversation and, you know, one that uh, – I think it's important and our, our members here, you know, our audience can learn from for sure. So let's dive into it. This is David Terry of NASIO here on the Independent Thinking Podcast. All right, we are back on the Independent Thinking Podcast, and uh, I, I love being able to dive into my old world. I talk about it, you know, I, I feel like a, multiple times I've mentioned it on this podcast that I I grew up in associations. <laughs> so to be able to talk to an association um, is always exciting for me, and, and we're excited right now to have David Terry, president of NASIO, the National Association of State Energy Officials. Did I get that right? You did, yes. <laughs> awesome. Well, David, appreciate you taking the time and, and hopping in with us and uh, doing a podcast. So we appreciate it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Yeah. So start with yourself. You know, let's get to know you a little bit. Uh, tell us about yeah. who you are, your background, and, and your path to NASIO. 
Sure. Well, the whole, I mean, the whole energy thing, I guess, uh, was a bit random. Um, it literally happened uh, randomly because I um, applied for the uh, position I didn't know I was applying for. I had reversed the letters of uh, of a consulting firm that was doing energy consulting. I thought I was doing <laughs> something else. And um, uh, at any rate, I was really enamored with it. And I uh, ended up uh, after that, I had a short stint at the National Academy of Sciences um, in a research assistant position, and then um, on to supporting a couple of energy commercialization activities that were around state and federal energy policy and programs and commercializing clean energy technologies and so forth. And and really uh, was taken with the state role in that, the state policy role in particular, and, and got to know some of the state energy offices. And long story short, um, started working at uh, NASIO many years ago um, and was a program staffer specialized in a couple areas, buildings, yeah. efficiency technologies, appliances, et cetera, initially uh, broadened from there. I left for about seven years and did some advocacy and lobbying um, in a number of different energy areas and came back in 2000. And eight, and that was during the American Recovery uh, Act after the uh, after the financial crisis. And we did some really major cool programs. The organization, I think, uh, grew a lot then, but also the membership, the fifty six state territory energy offices represent grew. And I think the the fundamental thing that that I have brought to it, I have a, a very keen interest in technology and markets. And I, yeah. you know, I kind of, uh, maybe I'm easily distracted, but what I like about <laughs> it is there's variety. It's sure. not a single product or a single market. And, and that's, uh, that's sort of that, that's very attractive to me. And it, yeah. it, and I think that's how I got here is I like that variety that our organization brings. What I always love to ask association professionals too, and this goes back to those early days at ASAE is, you know, we always talked about the difference between someone that was in the profession then works for the association as opposed to an association professional. So like, what do you consider yourself more on the association professional side and kind of got into this or were you really like, it was it the, the work of what you're doing and then you, there just happened to be an association related yeah. to it that, that got you to it. It was the work of what I was doing, despite having yeah. gotten there randomly and right. having absolutely no technical background. <laughs> I was an art history major, if that tells you anything. Um, but it was really the substance, I have yeah. to say. And I and I think I would have wanted it just where I ended up applying it was uh, um, just I just sort of found my interest. Yeah, it's pretty cool how that happens, though, isn't it? It is. Yeah. It is. I, I'm a big believer in accidentalism, which is, in fact, a, an art movement. If you can dredge up college art history, uh, which is easier for me to do, could be since I focused on that. <laughs> <laughs> that's all. Well, see there, it comes into play even even so. so that's that's awesome. Well, for for those that don't know, I, obviously we say the name Nazio, what it stands for, but uh, what's kind of that elevator pitch for someone that's not familiar with the organization? How would you kind of explain the work that you do, your members, and and, and that sort of stuff? It's it's a it's a good question because I think even among people who work in the energy space and even at the state level, they often don't know there are um, there are 56 state and territory energy offices around the country that includes the 50 states, five territories, and District of Columbia. Uh, we were actually founded by um, a combination of a couple of governors in 1986 that were at the National Governors Association and felt they really needed um, a focal place for their energy offices, and so it was really very organic how it came together, created by the states. 
We distinguish ourselves in that we are generally not in the regulatory space. At the state level, there are utility regulators, which most people are familiar with in the energy space. That is not our membership. That's the, a different association. We represent typically the governor-appointed energy director um, or energy policy lead at the state level um, that runs those uh, uh, programs and policy development activities across the energy spectrum. And that differs in every state a great deal. I always yeah. say if you've met one state, you've met one state. And, <laughs> and that's, again, that variety piece that I like. But um, but they cover and we cover as a result everything from, uh, say, advanced nuclear power and transmission distribution planning, energy emergency response, building energy efficiency, building codes, mm -hmm. uh, transportation, and more recently, transportation electrification, as an example, um, manufacturing efficiency, um, a whole range of things. And we have standing committees around each of those areas. And our fundamental role is to help states learn from one another and then interface with the federal government and the private sector to see where there are synergies and where we can work together. It's a very um, it's a very carrot sort of positive yeah. approach forward looking um, because it isn't regulatory for the most part. Um, there tend not to be the hammers, which uh, makes it a little bit more fun. Maybe. Yeah. Well, you, you mentioned the uh, the 50 states you've met one. It's kind of a little bit of foreshadowing. But before we get to that, um, it, it, how and, you know, this is sort of the uh, uh, not familiar with the space, asking the question for someone that might not know. Um, you think about those, all those state offices coming together. It, it sounds, you know, obviously not regulatory. So how do you interact or do you interact at all with like DOE and what they do or how's it different? Yeah, very, very, uh, very different. Um, so a couple of things. One, virtually all of our members respond to governors. They're, they're, that's their boss, essentially. So um, they're thinking governors are concerned about life, health, safety, economic development, jobs, the kinds of things that you right. know governors are elected for. So our members from an energy lens are thinking many of those same things. Mm -hmm. And they want to inform their legislature, their governor, and the policies they develop that have real impact on the ground. Where the Department of Energy and the federal aspect of that goes, and I would extend that to some of the other agencies, uh, USDA, sure. the Agriculture mm -hmm. Department, EPA, et cetera. But with DOE particularly, they're a large research engine. So innovation comes from many of the things they fund in the national laboratories. Yep. Many of the states, universities, and companies are either accessing, utilizing, or working on those technologies as well. So that's one aspect. Uh, the department also has a, a large amount of, um, of work in different areas of energy, transmission-related studies, analysis, decisions, um, independent energy analysis of every type and every market, and also programs that flow from Congress, which typically the states are rolling up and advocating for and yep. DOE manage. So there's a, a multiple interfaces with DOE. So it is literally a, um, a partnership, um, yep. generally pretty positive partnership, but in almost every program area at the Department of Energy uh, across the department where the states are either working on programs with them right. or they're moving ahead in a space where they need their support in some way. Gotcha. So there, it's neat to see that there still is, um, you know, that crossover and how they kind of work together, yeah. right? And um, so that kind of is a nice segue too, because that you know this Inflation Reduction Act that we've heard so much about, um, you know, from we've had a couple of podcasts and conversations, and I know um, Mr. Frank Santner here at Nationwide Marketing Group has been kind of the the key key cog in us understanding what's going on with this Inflation Reduction Act. So, um, kind of set. We have the table set on our side. We we know sort of what the impact is or will be for retailers eventually, uh, specifically independent retailers, and kind of where he's been keeping his eye. Um, 
how's Nat? What what has Nazio been doing? What's what's sort of your role in this, if you will, or kind of set up? What what's the what are the important aspects of the program that you're looking at, and how they impact what you do on a a day to day basis? Sure, there are. I think there are several key roles. One is uh, whether the Inflation Reduction Act or other federal bills, for that matter, um, we're a bipartisan group. Our role is to make sure that we're reflecting what the states want. Oftentimes, and the Inflation Reduction Act is an example. When dollars are going to flow, um, in general, we think the states will do a better job of managing that than managing it from one place, no offense yeah. <laughs> to, the, to the nation's capital, of course, but to federal government. We think the state governments are closer to the people, closer to companies, closer to businesses, and they can roll out those programs better. So we engage with Congress to help make sure that to the degree we can, that there's flexibility in the programs that come and that the state energy offices have a role in, in making those happen. So as it applies to the rebate programs, we were very much at the table with that. As they came to the Department of Energy, we uh, we immediately, uh, when we saw a passage was going to happen, we put together a task force, a residential energy efficiency and beneficial electrification task force made up of virtually every state. It was chaired by uh, uh, five states from different geographies across the country, different um, political backgrounds, et cetera, to come up with a set of recommendations about how those would be implemented. And and. And that really, that's sort of a fundamental NASIRA world where we're recommending to DOE, okay, we know you're going to come up with the program requirements yep. um, beyond the statute, um, and we don't have a lot of control over that, but we can get uh, good, solid information in early. So that was job one. We did that almost immediately by inviting the private sector in. Um, to that task force. And so we had many private sector people that were a part of it as well, from appliance manufacturers to retailers to uh, advocates to people concerned about affordability. You know, we like to get the perspectives there. Came up with those recommendations and that and that sort of recommendations to DOE piece is ongoing, but that's a fundamental stream. The second really big piece is um, it goes back to that every state's a little different. Well, it's yeah. not just that the state's different or for the sake of being different, different housing stock, different climate zones, different uh, um, uh, number of, say, trained work professionals in different areas. So they have different needs, et cetera, different demographics, uh, age, economics, uh, minority populations, et cetera. So every state has a, a different set of needs. And so we try to work individually and with groups of states to find out what they have in common, um, what are the things they're encountering to try and deliver those programs well. So then it becomes more about working with the states to develop recommendations for their own programs. So not for DOE, but a lot of that is informal peer-to-peer, -peer, but nevertheless, there's that piece. The, the last piece is, is really uh, maybe a blending of those two, but there's sort of this um, both in the statute that Congress provided, but also I think just a sense among um, the people that work in this energy area, yeah. they want to do public good, whether that's for developing somebody's economy or whether it's helping low and moderate income folks. Both of these programs have a strong low and moderate income. In the case of the high efficiency electrification rebates, those are all low income uh, recipients that are, will be eligible. And, and they want to do well. They want to do well with the taxpayers' money. They want to do well by their governors. And how do we resolve like really tricky implementation pieces of making sure we target people fairly right. so people have access? 
making sure that it gets installed well so that the particularly a low-income homeowner that may not have either time or ability to do something about an install that doesn't go well, which does happen. Doesn't yeah. doesn't mean the installer's bad. It just means sometimes things don't go well. How do you resolve those kinds of things? And I think there's a public-private partnership to that that becomes a bigger emphasis. So, you know, your organization included, it's like, how do we work with you? You all want to have a good outcome for your customer. We want to have a good outcome. So then how do we do that in implementation? And I think, yeah. you know, we're creeping into that space now in a in a way that I think is really important. And so that's sort of the third third way that we help. And it's um, um, the states really do the work. We're, we're, we're helping around the edges and trying to sure. get, get the tough things out of the way. I kind of, you know, I, I almost feel like it's a silly follow up, but it, it's sort of the first thing that comes to mind. And and when you talk about the differences between states, because there are so many, like you look at a sitting out here outside of Philadelphia as opposed to, you know, a, a state office in uh, Reno, an energy office in, in, in Reno, very different. So yeah. I, I'm curious what those conversations are like. And, you know, obviously, the as we've been talking with Frank and, and clearly finding out from you, things are very different from state to state. So what when you kind of come up and I know they'll have their own sort of flexibility in how they approach a program like this, right, from state to state. But, uh, you know, when you try to have those conversations and you see them sort of um, come together and create these recommendations that that might be able to apply, uh, you know, across the country, like how does what do those conversations look like? How I have to imagine they're incredibly interesting to to see just how they interact with one another. They are. And I think what's really I don't, maybe it's not surprising. I don't know. What's amazing is how collegial they are. Um, yeah. You hear a lot more of thing, phrases like, I didn't think of that. Yeah. Then you do what the heck are you doing? I mean, it's a really it's a really positive environment. And I um, I'm glad it is. I, yeah. I would never but, want that to be different. But as a, a couple of examples, yeah. I think that, that show this. So there's a lot of interest in uh, in the Biden administration and a number of the states across the country in air source heat pumps, as an example. And great technology improvements that have been made there in the last in the last eight or 10 years that it makes a lot of sense, a lot of places, not everywhere, but a right. lot of sense, a lot of places. And one of the things that the very cold climate states, if you think about extreme northern Maine and Minnesota and so forth, there are places where it is still challenging, possible, but we have to think about energy efficiency in particular first, building insulation, envelope insulation. Um, is it a remote area where a backup fuel of some kind is pretty essential? We are talking life and health when it's 30 below zero. Yeah. That's a really different discussion because a lot of the housing stock in, in, in those particular examples don't necessarily have central ducted forced air systems. They may have radiators, steam heat, any number of things. And I think when some of the guidance that the Department of Energy was putting out in this area made an assumption that it was the kind of house that they had wherever they live nearby, (laughs) that's just not the case. So you you go through those wow moments of didn't consider that. And and I think those conversations are interesting. The other ones that are interesting is some states have uh, laws on the books that don't allow for incentivizing fuel switching. So if you had electric water heaters, um, you don't get incentivized to a gas. If you had right. gas, you don't get incentivized to electric. There are a bunch of reasons for that. But the bottom line is the energy office have to live with that. So they need to look for solutions that both help that homeowner to to or resident, but if it's in a multifamily building, lower their bill, uh, deliver more efficiency, make good use of the taxpayer funds, follow the rules in their state and follow the rules of the program. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, it's, it is, if you enjoy a puzzle, it's a great conversation. Oh. If you don't enjoy a puzzle, probably not, but, um, but I enjoy a puzzle. So yeah. it's, a, it's, it's fun. And I, 
and and I it is it is just interesting how glass half full it generally is. So yeah. we have these are all our parameters. How do we do this? And they're very pragmatic about it. They want to be able to, whether it's literally or 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 uh, once removed, they want to be able to look their governor or their constituent in the eye and say, this is why we did this. We think we had a good outcome. Here's the evidence of it. We've been very careful. They want to show something. Yeah. I, I, not to belabor it because it was such a good question, really. But the other thing that, that state energy offices are thinking a lot about, and it's not easy with these two programs, but if you're in the low and moderate income energy efficiency or electrification space, what have you, um, it isn't as though those households have money to go out and do this again or do what wasn't right. done. Right. Rebate. And so in that sense, it's not sustainable. On the other hand, the states want to see some market transformation and how do they make it somewhat sustainable. So building envelope and insulation becomes important from that perspective. How does how does what they do in this market maybe train the contractor workforce that, that is needed because so many new people are needed in that space? How does it train them so when they go to a market rate house, maybe they do an equally good job or even better job or whatever. But it, yeah. so there's some transformative effect that lasts that goes beyond, gee, we had a rebate, we replaced yeah. the heat unit, the end. They, they right. want to see more than the end. They want to see yeah. the taxpayer's dollar go further. No, that's all. And I mean, it's starting to make sense too in, in talking to you. You know, we, like I've mentioned, we talked to Frank about this program, and I know he he had mentioned to us in the past about target dates for when everything would be set and ready to go, and um, those keep see, those seem to keep getting kicked down the road for multitudes of reasons, but uh, namely because you know these conversations that you're having at a federal level, you probably don't to your point, you don't think that they need to happen, or or you make assumptions, and then you start getting into the weeds with how programs work and you know, how different states are, and and it starts to make sense why you know something that they thought might launch by the end of 23. We're now looking at the year, you know, early 25 <laughs> yeah. to get this well, up and, and running. I, I think it's, I, and I think it's interesting. You know, it's, it's funny. I honestly, I use Pennsylvania as an example frequently and we have a great energy director there, but I I've driven through the state a lot because I, I have a reason I go to Ohio <laughs> yep. to, to visit relatives. And if you think about the housing stock in Johnstown, um, a lot of detached homes, not all, but a lot of detached homes um, in, in in a lot of need there in some parts of, of that community. Mm -hmm. And then you think about Philadelphia, where you may have more multifamily, completely different needs. And then maybe, you know, the Scranton area is yet yeah. different again. And then downstate further. It's it's just it. you look at that and you go, wow, how do yeah. I serve all of that in a way? And I and you could probably do that in almost any state, but it, it, is, it is. But it is. Yeah. Telling. And I. I think it's challenging. One of the other things I always uh, try to convey on, on when we're talking about these is the um, the Department of Energy's guidance documents, which people refer to. They are not guidance. They are requirements. Right. Why they are called guidance, I have no idea. <laughs> they're they not speed suggestions. They are speed limits. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> and so the, the, speed, yeah. the speed and clarity of that speed limit um, has a great deal to do with how quickly these will move. Right. And I think the Department of Energy staff have been doing, you know, just really difficult job working hard trying to get it right but when you think about all those parameters in those different states and different uh different housing stocks and contractor needs and on and on and on um it it is the more you try to design that and work on it the more difficult it becomes and i think there's just a natural tension of the states might take the position of you know give us give us some firm goals right. and some clear parameters and let us have flexibility and we will get you where you want to go and yeah. i think from a federal perspective, they have a fiduciary responsibility to 
imagine every outcome and control for it. And I, and that's a little overstatement, but it, but there's a tension there and it's probably healthy tension. Um, but that's, that's what takes, that's a lot of what takes a long time, I think. Yeah, for sure. Well, and then too, I know the uh, funding was a big part of this, um, you know, having to make sure that state office, these energy offices were set up to be successful. Right. So I, yep. I know, you know, that there was a question around, you know, when funding would be received. And I know, I believe they, they released some of it, right. To help these state offices get set up and, um, be able to prepare for you know the coming work that would be involved in this, and that's a big part of too where you know Frank comes in and Nationwide comes in, and you guys start having those conversations right around you know independent retailers not necessarily being at the table. Well, they were at the table, but not their 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 challenge their sort of um, standing in in the process wasn't really considered until I think Frank raised his voice. I now I, I got to get your side of the story too, right? Because Frank told us he raised his hand and started shout started shouting about um, you know making sure that the independent retailer was heard during calls yeah. with EPA and the energy uh, you know Energy Star uh, team and you know making sure that um, the independent retailer was considered you know as, as these processes were being set up and was he you know <laughs> tell us yeah, was he, I think, was he really? I, think I think he's uh, I think he's right in one aspect yeah. in that the the state energy offices have one, are ones that consistently in meetings have been saying it's great that major big box retailer that you all at the federal level are thinking about them we work with them as well yeah. but what are we going to do for fill in the blank uh, local right. appliance store ace hardware there are a number there are a lot of oh, different yeah. versions Absolutely. of this and the energy offices have consistently raised that. And, and every time there's a solution set from a technology perspective, like a QER code mm -hmm. or a database that DOE is working on, which is super helpful, they immediately say, but what about my local retailer? Yeah. And, and so that, I think, has been happening all along. The two interesting things that hadn't been happening, I think, and where Frank's additions, I think, have been super helpful, during ARA, Almost immediately, we had lots of independent retailers come to us on the Energy Star rebate program in 2009 or whatever mm -hmm. the year was, and they were immediately at the table with us. They, I mean, I didn't have to call anybody. They were there, and the topic was immediately with us on this one, but we didn't have a lot of representation immediately, and Frank, thank goodness, reached out to us, and I told him at the time, I said, you know, why we didn't reach out to you sooner. I have no explanation. I wish we had of, but please know that we have been thinking of you. We just need you at the table. And so that's, <laughs> um, that's all pretty positive. I think where it is still missing though, is I still think in, I'll characterize it sort of at the, at the national level, that might include federal players. It might include advocacy groups that mm -hmm. the, that are based in DC. I still think they see a bit of the numbers game of, they want to have a big impact. So they think of big population states yeah. and they think of big uh, population venues. And I, I think the retailers in general, including the big box retailers are more expansive in their thinking than that. They, you know, the big box retailers we talk to are thinking about every community they're in, not just the big ones. Sure. You obviously are a big part of that. And I think, um, I think we're, where we are now in the design of the program and the implementation of the state level having y'all's voice there so that it can be built into any of the systems we do. Um, Cause I think our members are very leery to make assumptions about what independent uh, retailers can accommodate reasonably yeah. and financially. Yeah. Accommodate. And yeah. they want to be, they really want to be sensitive to that. No, that makes perfect sense. Uh, well, what would, you know, what does that work look like right now? Like, what are you guys doing? Um, and I guess not to say what, you know, what's Frank doing, but like, what, what's the role of nationwide in this, right? And how are, how are we coming together to, to work together and, and ultimately like what's the end goal? What are we trying to achieve? 
Well, we have a, um, as an example, and it is more impactful than it sounds, we have a webinar, uh, of course, coming up with uh, Frank. It may have happened this week. I apologize. I can't remember what date it was. But um, it, part of the reason for that is to beginning that cadence of having his perspectives, his voice on behalf of the independent retailers um, come to the table. So people, so people in every state, all the directors in the state know they have somebody to go to with this question. They might be connected with people that are recommended for them to talk to in their state about how their program is designed so they can bring them to stakeholder meetings so that they can, you know, run concepts past them in their program design. Having, having both a group and then individuals in that state that maybe are representative, whether informally or formally, um, of independent retailers for the state to, to react, get reaction from about what they're thinking, get input from. That's really how this works. And I, and we're, I think we're at the front end of that, both in terms of program design. Um, so the engagement timing is actually very good. Um, vast majority of the states have done, you know, very high level planning because the guidance Right. read requirements has been evolving yeah. <laughs> as it, you know it, it's getting firmer now so so we're getting to the serious part of the planning i think up until a few weeks ago uh, there were enough outstanding issues that it would have been difficult to go very far in planning the other piece i want to come back to just for clarity because it's it, it will come up multiple times over the course of the next couple of years when doe issues a press release that they're making funding available right to the states there is normally minimally a six month time between that announcement and it happening yeah. and 10 to 12 months is not unusual. That doesn't mean DOE's doing department of energy is doing something wrong. It's just the procurement processes that are needed on the primarily federal end initially, but ultimately yeah. state end to take that length of time. And so it's the expectations that have been set for these programs are a, a bit off. So I would argue yeah. that I think you all are coming in at the right time. Um, but we do need to act quickly to make sure that the personal yeah. connections are made with every state um, that we can that we can bring to the table. Right, because the, the announcement's made, but then it's all you know application. You have to go through application processes and understanding you know whether you want it or not. And I know some states. I'm sure there's re re requirements right <laughs> set up, but you know for each um, state uh, determining whether they want it, what they if they do get it, what, where it's got to go, all that sort of stuff. So. You know, quite the anytime there's federal dollars involved. <laughs> yeah, it, <laughs> right? it is. And there and there are um, these are highly visible programs, which yeah. um, the uh, Department of Energy's inspector general will likely um, come to every state yep. um, as they as they should. That's the full expectation that happened during our. It's yep. not unusual. But that being said, um, the states take very seriously every bit of that language mm -hmm. that is in their agreement um, with the Department of Energy. And and they have their own state um, processes, which some Sometimes go well beyond the federal, and I think yeah. um, I, the one thing I don't worry about is that that the money won't be used thoughtfully. It will be used thoughtfully. Not that there won't be some problems someplace uh, because of some kind of implementation thing that wasn't anticipated. But I, uh, I think that's the other part of having the independent retailers at the table. You're going to those organizations, those those uh, retail outlets are going to see things that we will all miss on our side because they're there every day. It's a different approach. And I and, and we want to avoid that before before the program is implemented, not after. <laughs> right. <laughs> Makes perfect sense. Yeah. Uh, well, the other cool thing about this, too, is that, you know, there's now another resource. Right. So the, our, our members are learning of another resource. If they didn't know already, now they do um, you know of NASIO and, and being able to turn to these um, state energy officials and offices to 
ha- get information that, you know, help answer questions that they might have. But what would be kind of your message? Uh, you know, they could turn to Nationwide, they could turn to you, but, you know, to help them navigate, what would you kind of tell them if they're still feeling confused or trying to figure out what's going on? Um, sort of what, what's the message to help simplify this program? Yeah, I think a, a couple of things that are really important in this regard, and it's, it is regardless of what you think about whether the money should have been appropriated or not, because I know there's a diversity of views on that, but the money is there. Mm-hmm. It is largely for poorer people, low-income folks, um, which is surely a good thing. And, and, and that's what it's really about. And I think the expectations that have inadvertently been set um, by some of the national communications uh, in particular are that everybody's going to get a rebate in America and it's all available tomorrow morning. Um, Very few people are going to get a rebate and it won't be available tomorrow morning. So the expectation for, I think, an independent retailer needs to be, if you look, and it's very easy to find, the allocation of dollars for your state, which is publicly available, and you think you just divide it by the loan moderate income households in your state, you'll quickly see it's a fraction, not only of the population, but it's a fraction of the low moderate income population. So getting the scale sense of in your state of what that means, and it does differ, it depends upon how many people in your state and the dollars you get. That's pretty easy to figure out. Almost any of us could do that with if it's just those two pieces of information. So that expectation setting is important. The second piece is um, to reach out to your energy office. If you're interested in engaging, you can certainly get that uh, the office information from us. That's a great way to do it. But maybe maybe an even better idea is to get familiar with the program. There's a lot of information online. Our website has, I think, pretty simple, straightforward information that you can find. And as you look at it and you have questions, you know, think about what those questions are from your, from the retailer perspective. Have you thought about X, Y, Z? How are you approaching this? And feel free to bring those back to us, whether it's through through Frank and the group or whether it's independently. Um, that's what we do. And we are happy to do it. I know that it's a... Um, it is a lot more fun than a lot of other things I do. So it is well. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's awesome. And, and, you know, it's again, neat to see that, um, you know, we, we know Frank's been carrying the the load <laughs> for this organization yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah. doing what he's been doing on, on behalf of, uh, independent retailers within this program. But cool to see that, you know, he, he's got, uh, support and, and, you know, building partnerships uh, throughout the industry and, um, you know, another, like I said, another resource for our retailers to turn to. So we appreciate it. Absolutely. And, um, you know, kind of like the tip of the iceberg of a conversation we could have around this, but you know, David, we appreciate the time and a lot of fun catching up and, and learning about, you know, what, what Nazio is all about. Right. And, um, diving into this program. So we appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you again to David for taking his time and, and sitting down with us and jumping into a podcast on um, really a, an ever-changing uh, topic, right? With this Inflation Reduction Act and um, seeing how you know the the funding's being set up and um, how it's approached from a state level after you know the the federal guidelines were released and uh, things still changing and evolving on a regular basis. So need to see you know, or need to hear really their perspective on how they approach this and how they're also trying to get involved, uh, the independent retail community through nationwide marketing group and, um, you know, David's work with Frank and, and so much more. So we appreciate it. And as always appreciate you listening to the independent thinking podcast and we'll catch you next time.